Hello and welcome to Organize Holistically. My name is Dana L'Oreal Morales and I am your holistic process strategist. I help side hustling entrepreneurs and professionals to develop, implement, and streamline processes in both your business and personal life so you can have better work-life balance and integration. Today's episode is brought to you by Organized Academy, where you learn all things organizing that will help you holistically balance your business and personal life so you can live the life you always dreamed of living. Lock in your $25 monthly membership by becoming a founding member of Organized Academy today. To do so, just visit organizedacademy.com. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Ash Kennedy. Ash is the founder of a boutique agency named Creative Freedom Social Marketing that helps agencies and brands by providing outsourced social media management, content creation, and PR services. She built her business as a side hustle first and finally escaped the corporate environment in 2018. Join me as we have a very detailed and fun conversation today. So thank you, Ash, for joining me today for this conversation, our Lessons Learned Conversation. I'm so excited to have you on and to just get into the business, just talking and and learning today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. So for our listeners, will you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you became an entrepreneur, your journey? Just tell them. Yeah, so I am a marketing strategist, a marketing consultant, and I usually say I do social marketing because most people find me because they need help with social media, so I like to leave the word social in what I do, Um, and then we end up doing everything around that, so for all intents and purposes, it's more um, digital marketing, and I do a lot of... um, a lot of companies that I work with, they bring me on board because they don't want to actually hire an additional marketing employee, but they need to be able to have all the bells and whistles of social media, blog posts, right. email market, you know, they need all the strategy, but uh, so they just bring me on, uh, you know, as a freelance consultant and, um, you know, I look through everything they have. I look through websites and social media and uh, help them create a strategy so that they can actually get eyeballs on their business and they can actually reach their target market and um, you know that's a lot of the challenge for every client that I talk to that's the commonality they need more people to see their business Um, and so I so you ask how I how I came to do this I had a um, uh, professional history in corporate for over 13 years. Uh, so I went to college and got a business degree, uh, and I, my specialty was my special uh, major. My major concentration was in uh, public accounting. So I graduated and uh, graduated on a Saturday and started my first job on a Monday. No break in between. And uh, and that that kind of set the tone for the rest of my professional career. I would I would right. do similar things. Um, and uh, so I did. I started out as an auditor, and audited. And then I did. Um, I actually the second project I worked on was after Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. um, and we went down to the coast and we were basically auditing the. Um, documentation that was submitted to FEMA uh, uh, 
and well, MEMA down there, it was MEMA because it was their Mississippi emergency management. Um, and so all of these cities and municipalities would um, submit documentation for things they needed reimbursement for. So we basically went into audit um, what was submitted. So more auditing. So I did um, similar jobs like that. And then um, I decided public accounting was not what I wanted to do. So I thought, okay, I don't enjoy this. Maybe I'll enjoy working for a private company doing accounting. So then I went and worked for a few uh, private companies and I landed in healthcare. And healthcare is big here in Nashville, but um, with healthcare companies, something that most people don't know is they are constantly divesting, selling off part of their business, uh, you know, joining another business. So they're constantly changing. That's just the nature of the business. Right. So I think it's something like every four to seven years. So if you work in those businesses and you're an employee, at some point you're either going to lose your job or have to totally, you know, your job is totally reimagined. So I went through a few of those and I was like, no, nope, this is not, this is not for me. I wanted a little more stability. And um, so I went to another private company worked there for about four and a half years and it was the most toxic environment I had ever worked in. Um, it was beyond challenging. It was it was a, not a good place to be. Uh, constant turnover, constantly having to interview and hire and train um, not just uh, direct reports but also people that were my same level. Um, and then at one point bosses that we would basically have to train on, you know, what we did. So it was it was very stressful um, and it was also one of those jobs that um, you weren't always busy so the work was very cyclical. It was like a monthly cycle of you're really busy, you're working till late at night and then the other half of the month you're just kind of sitting there because everything's done, you're waiting for the next kind of busy, you know, busy period. So um, during all this, I had gone to, decided on a whim to go to massage therapy school and um, it was it was just kind of a random thing and so I went to massage therapy school back in like, I think I started in 2010 and so I did, massage. I thought I was going to be a massage therapist. I thought that's, I'm going to leave corporate, I'm going to be a massage therapist. Uh, that didn't work out. Um, so I decided it, it's being being a massage therapist is very physically um, taxing. It takes a lot out of you, and it takes a lot out, out of you energetically too. Um, so, but I loved it. I loved massage therapy school. It was um, it was life changing in many different ways, and I met wonderful friends there. And um, so after I decided, okay, I'm not going to do massage, but I was already down that kind of like holistic wellness path. I was already starting to learn, and you know, you kind of go down that rabbit hole. And um, I decided I'm going to open a women's wellness space here in Nashville. So I opened one um, close to downtown, and part when I opened it there weren't a lot of like how everybody is coming to Nashville and there's like tons of restaurants and there's tons of everything here now we have mm -hmm. tons of options all that wasn't here when I opened my space so you know there weren't all the acupuncturist and um, health coaches and wellness coaches and you know all the different options that we have now those weren't here then so I decided I'm going to open a space where people can come and they can learn about those things and they can learn about 
um, you know, what what is holistic wellness? Or we had a naturopathic doctor come speak. We did yoga classes. We did workshops. But inevitably, the real estate in Nashville is exorbitant. I mean, it's super expensive. And it just got to a point where we couldn't have enough classes to keep the rent paid. So it so it was very sad, but I had to shut that down. And um, and then after that, I was still working full time. And you know, I knew that I was not meant to stay in that corporate life. It just it wasn't that that path that I was on. Maybe in a different way, but not in you know the finance world. So I was talking to a friend, and she said you ought to think about doing. Um, like virtual assistant or social media work, something like that, because she was doing that work on the side. And um, so I put a post on my personal Facebook page and just said, hey, guys, I'm thinking about doing this. If you have anything you'd like help on, you know, I'll help you for free. So people jumped on it, of course. They were, of course. <laughs> you know, they wanted that to help. Uh, so I did all kinds of stuff at first. I set up people's e-courses on Teachable. I helped people create e-books and opt-ins, you know, because I had already been doing a lot of this stuff for my business. So I had already been creating e-books and Canva and, you know, writing email newsletters. I'd had to learn that for myself. Uh, so I started doing that for other people, and I eventually realized the thing that I enjoyed the most and that I was the best at was the marketing pieces and mm -hmm. specifically social media so I really started to niche down into that and you know and then as a result of working for people I started getting referrals so word of mouth people would tag me in a Facebook post or uh, you know you need to you need to talk with Ash she's I've worked with her I've been a client and so it just kind of kept going and um, eventually I got to a point in and I was still I was still working full-time at this point too um, so it eventually got to a point in um, about May June of 2018 that I just said you know I'm sitting at this corporate desk every day and I'm not doing you, you know I'm just there we're not doing anything I'm not being productive in the meantime I could be out talking to clients networking doing other things to grow my business so um, there's an author named Chris Gillibo and he has a book called side hustle and it's all stories about people that have you know started these side hustles taken them full-time changed their lives you know very inspirational right. well I had, uh, I had bought his book and he uh, was going to be stopping in Nashville. Um, I don't know if it was part of a book tour or what, but he was going to be at an event over at WeWork over um, in East Nashville. Mm -hmm. and so I thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to ask him some questions because if anybody can tell me about this, he can. So I went over and... Um, he was, you know, signing books. He had bought, a, he had brought a bunch of um, free books that he was signing and giving away for everybody. I had my purchase book, so I thought I've per I've paid for a little, a few minutes of time. So. Right, right. I've already paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> so I stood in line and and I got uh, I got up to talk to him and I asked him. I just kind of explained like where I was, what kind of. Um, you know side hustle I was doing and all that kind of thing and I said I'm sitting at this desk every day and I really feel like I could I could make this other business happen I said how do you know when you're at the tipping point 
Like, mm -hmm. when do you know it's time to quit the other job? And he said, um, what is your day job that you're doing right now? And I said, accounting. And he, he said, <coughs> excuse me, he said, um, if you were to quit that job and try this, try your side hustle for six months and it doesn't work out, mm -hmm. could you go back and get another accounting job? I said, absolutely. I mean, I have over 13 years of experience. Of course I could. And he's like, you know, there you go. Then, so what's then, the worst that could happen? If you can pay your bills during the six months, what's the worst that could happen? Exactly. Nobody had said that to me. Nobody had said, just try it. Even if it doesn't work yeah. out, you can just go get another job, yeah. you know. And so it, it, that that was like revolutionary. You know, I was just like... <laughs> Of course I can. Why have I not thought of this? Because I was so scared about the income part. I was right. so scared about, right. how, you know, how do I pay my bills if this doesn't work? So, um, you know. That's a good perspective to give because I have always been, you know, my belief has always been, look, you need something that has insurance, right? So you don't have to. Yes to pay for insurance on the side and yada, yada, yada. So for those who are in the, the actual situation, you do have a choice, yeah. you know, of can you afford to put pause on whatever it is you're doing and, and really give your side hustle life for six months, give it a chance for six months and see what happens. Yeah. And then at the end of that, if it doesn't work, then you do have a fallback plan. You do have a plan B of, of what you can do, right? Yeah. Um, I, what I see more so out in, in the world is people just quitting their job and having no plan. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah. that's a, that for me, I'm like, how, how can you do, like you've got to have a plan. And you obviously, based on hearing this, you had a plan, which is a great plan of, you know what, I know I can find a job. Yeah. I know my bills are going to be paid, so let us let me give this a try. That's, that's yeah. nice to hear. That's a good lesson for some people. I will, I will put this caveat on it, and I always put, whenever I see somebody ask this in a Facebook group, I always make sure to say this because they'll say, um, they'll ask the question, did you, ha did you have any money saved up? <coughs> Excuse me. Did you have any money saved up mm -hmm. uh, before you quit? And I always swoop in to tell them I had a year's worth mm -hmm. saved up. And that that happened, that wasn't because I was just saving, saving, saving. That happened because those healthcare jobs, when you get laid off, you get a severance check. Yeah. And, I, and I had kind of, you know, kept kept away this. And I had always planned that that was going to be to buy, you know, a house. My, it was going to be a down payment on a home. But I got to a point where a down payment on a home wasn't as important as my mental health in a job mm -hmm. that I hated. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I'm going to take this and, you know, I can add to it um, if I can get these clients. And so I made sure that I had a year runway. And I will tell you, that one-year runway was absolutely necessary because everything that you don't plan for will happen. Yes. I mean, <laughs> and nobody tells you that either. Like, you yeah. can't. Nobody tells you you need that cushion because stuff that you can, can't even fathom is going to happen. I had two loved ones pass away mm. within less, I think, it, yeah, less than a year of me quitting. One of them passed away, and then the other one was right after the year anniversary. Um, and that was, that, was a whole, that was a whole thing. Um, I built a team. I started scaling, and team members went and got great jobs. They moved to other cities. They decided they didn't want to do that work. So you have team flux. You have all these mm -hmm. things that 
you have to plan for. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you said that about people quit and they kind of don't have any plan, I'm like, I'm just like, no. Right. I mean, like, I cringe when I hear, I mean, literally I've had people come like, I need you to help me plan because I'm ready to quit and I'm, I've am i got my two-week notice plan. And I'm like, okay, no, because I can already tell from, from a process standpoint, from a just what are you going to do next month or two weeks, you know, there was no plan. And I'm like, do not do this to yourself because – being a small business owner is already stressful, right? Mm-hmm. Because everything is on you. Your the money that you have to live on is all dependent on you getting business, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I'm like, that's already stressful, just in general. Yeah. Why layer on this extra stress of not having a fallback plan or not having? And I don't like to even call it a fallback plan, but not having that cushion. Yeah. Yeah. That cushion, because everybody needs that. Even when you work a full-time job, you should have a cushion for the the issues that pop up with your car, with your house, with you know health, whatever. So yeah, I'm glad, so glad that you said that. Yeah, I. The other thing too that I think people don't sometimes think about is it's okay to go get a part-time job. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in that. Right. Your bills are paid. I can't tell you how many times I would drive by a Starbucks and think, if I need to, I can go get a Starbucks job part-time because they have health benefits. I yes. can do that. If I need to, and make I mean, it's not guaranteed, obviously, but um, I'm a very persistent person. <laughs> so I thought I will persist until right. I find what it is that I need. But you know what, that, um, and you mentioned this at the beginning about insurance, that's Mm -hmm. a huge consideration that people don't think about either. Insurance will eat you alive, it's so expensive. It is so expensive. And I mean, like you said, there are companies, there are even temp agencies that offer insurance that you can just have a bare basic something and work part-time or work at night, you know, be able to shift your schedule. Because sometimes that's really all it's about is, you know what, I just don't need to work from eight to five or whatever the time period is that your business functions. And, you know, it's okay to shift and do something else in the meantime of you wanting to build your dream. You just have to think outside the box. Yes, you really do. I'll tell you about thinking outside the box. This is something that um, (laughs) I have not ever said on a podcast, (laughs) but I'm going to share. So I had a uh, point in my business earlier this year where I lost a major client. So one of the one of the entrepreneurial lessons I learned was don't put all your eggs in one client's basket. Yes, yes ma'am. Because <laughs> if, if they quit, you're in trouble. So learn that that one the hard way. Um, and I had a client, a major client, that um, just said, you know, I don't think we need this help right now. Our um, product is really seasonal. You know, so they decide, and, you know, she said, we, I would love to work with you later, but right now we don't have the, we don't have the overhead to pay this, you know. So, um, okay, totally fine. Now I'm stuck with, okay, how do I cover that? So, I signed. I had a friend that walks the dogs for Rover, the app where you, the dog walking app, where people can hire you to come walk their dogs. And I asked her. I said, um, "What? What do you? You know, do you enjoy that? Whatever. I love dogs. They're, mm-hmm. you know, I if I could make a career out of doing something with loving on dogs all the time, I would. That's that. <laughs> that would be my favorite thing. 
And so she said, yeah, I just, um, she said, I just do like a doggy daycare and people just drop the dog off in the morning and they come get it, you know, at when they get off work and they just stay with me. And I was like, that's the dream for me because I could be with dogs make money from it and then um, also you can walk this so you can either keep them in your home or, or go walk them so I found a lady close to my house that she needed um, her dog walked and I thought not only am I getting paid to spend time with dogs but I'm getting exercise I'm actually getting to get out and and move so I did that for a little bit and um, and so that you know that was that was tided me over you know it was something that I loved um, but I you know it's it, you've got to do what you got to do yeah, you, want yeah. To fund, you know to fund your dream and so um, I don't know I think I think that's the other thing that um, that people maybe don't realize is you're gonna have to be really scrappy yeah. And you're bringing up so many, it's like I've got so many things in my head right now that I'm like, oh, we need to talk about this. But okay, so the scrappiness, I, I, I love that you brought that up because as, as a new business owner, let's see, you had accounting background, so you kind of knew some underlying things to make sure that you had in place when you yeah. did go into your business. But what are some of the things that, well, first of all, did you bootstrap your business or did you get loans for your business when you first started? No loans, 100% me. The only loan, I guess I would say, is that severance uh, severance package oh, nest egg. No. <laughs> that was my... You invested in yourself. In That's your right. So, and, and that's what most bootstrappers do. So that's, that's great to hear that. Um, so what are some of the first expenditures that you, like you felt that you had to have in your business? Um, and how did you choose those expenditures over something else? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, my motto is free 99. So I use free everything. <laughs> I'm like as free as possible. Um, I would say one of the most important things when I started really getting leads was that I needed a scheduler. Mm -hmm. So I was using Calendly, which they're free, mm -hmm. but then I got to a point where I needed to add, they have extra features like you can take payments. So when I started doing calls, paid calls, if I didn't have that already set up in Calendly, I'd have to send, you know, all these different emails to get payment. Yeah. You know, it's it's a whole deal. So I invested in Calendly. It wasn't much, but it was like a monthly charge. Um, I also invested in um, a contract, electronic contract signature service. So, mm -hmm. you know, you just upload your contracts. You basically add these fields where people can sign electronically and mm -hmm. type in the date and their name. Right. Um, so, because I had to have contracts to keep, mm -hmm. you know, keep myself covered and safe. Um, with social media, there were a few schedulers that as I got more clients, I had to pay for that because, yeah. you know, it'll be free if you only use it for, so you know, per, yeah, so much. Mm -hmm. So, I invested in that. Um, I'll tell you this, and this, this blows people's hair back a lot of times. I still don't have a website. I operate without a website and I took it as a personal mission to try to build a business without a website mm. which I'm kind of to the point now where the offerings that I have I'm gonna have to because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's just too much and I'll have people that will ask 
um, can I see your website? And at first I would send them to my Facebook page and I just had my Facebook page full of information, mm -hmm. my services, my packages, who I work with. You can put everything that you need to tell people on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on a few different free places. You don't have to have a website to get started. I mean, I'm, I started in uh, June of 2018. I'm two years in and I still don't have a website. And, you know, I, and I don't. Look, I'm looking at you with a side eye right now. I know. I know. And I know, you know it's possible. I definitely know it's possible. Yeah, it is. And there, I will tell you this, there are people who would not um, consider me because I didn't have a website. And I knew those people weren't my client. Your client, yeah. Because if they needed to see a website and they couldn't look in any of these other places, then that meant <laughs> that we probably don't have the mindset. But I'll also say. Yeah. And I, th I think it's important to know, I mean, note because you're a target market too, because yeah. you are a social media strategist. You yeah. know, you are working with marketing. So what's more important from a social media standpoint is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you're so, you know, LinkedIn, whatever it is that you are focused on. So yeah. that's their proof in the pudding. So the website for you per se wouldn't have been as important as it would be for somebody else, that's you right. know, in a, in a different type of business. Yeah. Yeah. No, if I was doing something else, I couldn't get away with this for yeah. sure. But I'll, I'll tell you why I made this decision. I, when I had my wellness business, I paid an agency to build a website that was way more expensive than I should have ever even considered. Yes. And so then I got in the red from a website, and I and I don't didn't even use it. I right. used it for yeah. events, but I didn't need that. I could have set up Facebook, but everybody told me to start a business, you need to get a website. Yeah, you know. So I sunk a few thousand into a website that literally is still sitting dormant right yeah, now. Because, it's like I'm sitting here shaking my head because I think that that is, a, it, that is a misconception that a lot of small businesses have yeah. is that you can actually have a website that for, for a very nominal fee, yeah. very, very nominal fee. Like when I hear of small businesses, specifically bootstrapping businesses that are spending thousands and thousands of dollars on the website, I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Because that is not the most critical. But, you know, for me, face, building it on Facebook or having just your, your um, business based off of a Facebook page is dangerous, too, because of all of the ag algorithm changes of Facebook. And when they decide they just want to delete your page just because... Yeah. You, you said something that they didn't, you know, whatever the reasoning, it's happened to so many people, that yeah. is a fear, you know, that is a, a risk that you have in doing that. It's not to say that businesses can't do that, right? Yeah. Obviously, you're proof of that pudding. Um, but I do see a danger in it. And so yeah. that's one of the reasons why I do offer to show people how to start you know, to create a website for a very, very nominal fee, like basically the cost of a domain, you know, domain yeah. name or whatever, that you can get a, a basic website, get all of the feature, the basic features that you need on a website so that you have land, right, that you yeah. own. <laughs> yeah. So, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, that's very smart. And I think, um, so what I did was I duplicated 
the same information on all the platforms. Mm -hmm. So when you would, whatever you would see on Facebook, I would find ways to duplicate it over on Instagram, like in my link in bio. And I use Linktree for the longest time. I don't use it anymore because um, they had some glitches. But I would have buttons that would take you to the same things. Mm -hmm. um, and now LinkedIn is what I use when people ask for my website. I send them to my LinkedIn because LinkedIn has way more information. I mean, it yeah. has services, it has testimonials, it has, you know, all the things that I need to share um, because exactly what you said has happened so many times where people lose a platform. So they get hacked or, you know, like you said, they take their whole page down. Um, so you do have to be careful. Um, and, you know, I think it all, <coughs> excuse me, I feel like it all comes back to there's so many people that say to start a business, you have to have X, Y, Z. And it's, and I think that keeps people from stop, from starting businesses. I think it keeps yeah. people from taking action because they think, well, if I don't have the money for X, Y, Z, or I don't know how to do X, Y, Z, or I don't have the time to figure out how to do X, Y, Z, well, then they just don't do it. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, a stopgap for them of just, mm -hmm. I'm just frozen now because I don't know what to do and I don't have the money and all of that. Yeah, you are definitely right on that. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I guess, get Chris Gillibo's book and start your side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> no, call us. Come on, come on, Ash. <laughs> call me an Ash. Say my Ash and you can get your stuff. No, seriously, I mean, I see so many small business owners that do. It, it's a, they think, I'm not technical, so I don't know how to do these things. I've tried. I can't figure it out. And so they just don't do anything. And it's like there are so many free resources out there that can walk you through these steps and if they're not free they're a nominal fee that you know for the cost of you going to McDonald's or wherever you could get what you need to get you know the social media thing set up or get your web page set up or whatever it is that your processes you know yeah. set up in your business to ensure that you are doing what you need to do to get the business in right and yeah. to, get, to attract the right customers yeah. So um, let's jump in. So we've learned how you got into the realm of what it is that you do. So I know that you, um, well, let's, no, let's dig back into people who can't afford to hire somebody. What would your recommendation be for a bootstrapper who wants to get into social media stuff maybe can't pay for your services yet, you know, the, maybe their goal is to eventually hire somebody to handle it for them. But yeah. right now, what would be your recommendation for them just starting out? So, okay, so when you're first starting out, the majority of the time you have more time than money. And that's how I started out. Everything you need to know is on the Internet. Google <laughs> Google and YouTube are going to teach you everything you could possibly need. I still Google and YouTube things now. There that's how I, you know, that's that's the key. Um I will also say that there are lots of companies that have tools that we use like scheduling tools or um you know, there's SEO companies. There are companies that they, it is part of their business to educate 
on how to do these things. Mm -hmm. So they can teach you how to create content. What content should you be talking about? What's the most engaging? How do you create Instagram stories? Um, you know, and a lot of them will actually give you um, give you part of the resources. They'll give you templates for stories, or they'll give you uh, content. Um, uh, writing prompts like to write your content so there are so many places that you can pull from what you need mm -hmm. to get started and it doesn't have to be fancy I mean you know you just have to you just have to start you just have to start doing something and then also um, Canva is huge Canva is free mm -hmm. um, yeah. but, you know you need Canva. Pretty much everybody, um, you know, if you're a professional designer, they're using Adobe. You don't need Adobe. You can do so much of what Adobe does in Canva, and they give you free templates to create an Instagram post, create a resume, create um, oh anything, literally anything I can think of. There's a template for um, creative-wise for social media, for professional resources, for um, they even have stuff for websites now. They have like yeah. website banners. Everything, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. So, and, and it's free. So, um, you know, start with what you can find for free. Mm -hmm. And then also another thing that I was big on, and I still do this, not as much as I did when I first started, but I got in as many different Facebook groups that were pertaining to what I wanted to do as possible, and I just watched constantly the comments. Yeah the answers. I learned so much of what I do now from reading other people's Facebook posts mm -hmm. because some people, you know, you know you've got all types in Facebook. You've got people that will only drop stuff if it's about if it's going to benefit them and they right. they're wanting to opt into their their email list. Mm -hmm. Then you've got other people that are just very generous with their their um, knowledge, their knowledge, yeah, and they'll tell you exactly what you need to do. And they, I've had so many people that have saved me from making mistakes because they gave really wise comments, yeah, and said, "Don't bother with all this other stuff because it won't, you know, this won't work for this reason. Do this. This is this mm -hmm. is what'll work." Um, so you'll save yourself so much time just from the wisdom of people in Facebook groups. Just social listening. I, I holistically agree with you. I mean, even when I look at, like, most of the services that I use, most of the the tools that I use, I make sure to find their Facebook group because most of them will have a Facebook group or some kind of community for yeah. their customers, um, both paid and free. And so I will join just to see how are other people using this, what other problems are they having, you can post questions about what it is you're trying to do. And so many of those people are like, oh, this is what I did. I can walk you through the exact steps to save you time. And I love that um, from a community listening and social media listening standpoint because you are so correct in that YouTube, Google, <laughs> Facebook groups, like they will save your life. <laughs> they will. And tons of money and time. I mean, just um, – I, did, I get I think through so many of the issues over the past week that I've had that I'm just like I'm just trying to do this. So you mentioned you use Calendly and I've used Calendly. Um, I've I forgot I think it's ten to something ten to eight scheduler and and then at some point um, in using those two free tools, I realized you know I used them for a long time and I was making a requirements list of what is it that I want in a scheduling tool, right? And what is it that I'm trying to do and how much time is it taking me to do this? Pretty much similar to what you probably went through 
Um, and I just said, you know what, at this point, if I can merge all of these into one system and be able to do everything that I do, am I okay with paying for that service? Is this going to give me time back? Is the value, the return on investment that I'm getting from paying for this going to outweigh, you know, or is going to make sense for the time I'm going to get back? And, and that's what made me make the choice to move up to the next level. Mm-hmm. So when you said that, I kind of went all around to get back to that but yeah. it's like you mentioned that earlier and then thinking about YouTube and Google and all of that that is a perfect example of the scheduling tool that I use because I use Acuity uh-huh. and that scheduling tool I was trying to do something in it and I was like I just want to be able to send them right to this place and and the way that the system worked depending on what you're choosing it wouldn't give you that direct link and so I sent posted it in the group and this guy literally went out he said oh that's a great idea let me see if I can figure it out he took the time to go do it and came back and told me how he did it and I'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) you saved me time you did exactly what I needed to do he didn't work for acuity he was just a customer just like me and now it's doing what I want it to do. And I think that that's, there's so much value in the community around these tools and, that you engage with, right, whether you're, it's paid or free, that is invaluable. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Leverage other people's knowledge. Yeah, and, and yeah. the struggle that they had. That, that's yeah. one of the main reasons for Lessons Learned Conversation because – there are things that you've been through in your business that maybe I haven't or maybe I'm currently struggling with. And so just to hear and to glean from your experiences is invaluable. Um, so I would definitely appreciate you being open to, to this conversation. Um, so, oh, okay, so let's say that I've been doing this thing, DIYing it, right, on my own, and now I'm like, you know what, I just need to get somebody to help me with this, right? And so I'm looking to engage with you. So this is going to be like a a two-part question. The first question would be, what do they need to look for in an agency or in a person who is going to do this? I'll I'll just give it to you one at a time. Okay. What do they need to look for in an agency? Um, Ooh, that's a big question. Okay. So for one thing, they need to have examples. If, you, if you're at the point where you're scaling up and you need somebody to do it for you, you want to know that they have experience and that they can do something similar to what you, know, what you want. Uh, you want to know, um, do they have a portfolio? So I do have a portfolio, even though I don't have a website. I have tons of you know, examples that I can share over to people. Um, and I just drop it into a Google Drive link and they can see everything. Um, so you want to see that. You also want to know obviously what their pricing is. You want to know what you get for the pricing. And this is um, a lot of times I think people don't understand or know this about social media is that it's priced all over the board because everybody is going to put different stuff into packages and into what they do. So when I'm first encountering somebody that has never hired for social media or they're just starting to kind of get quotes and they're just, Mm -hmm. you know, learning how much it costs and all that, they will say, well, what's the standard price or what's your hourly price? Most people are not going to work hourly. Mm. So the majority of people that um, do what I do and where they do full platform, you know, they run your entire 
Facebook. They run your entire Instagram. They create content. They engage all that. They're not going to work hourly. They're going to have packages. And every package is going to be different, you know, according to the person. So they may post for you three times a week five times a week, seven days a week. Um, they may do your engagement, so you're liking and commenting in DMs. They may not. They may only do a portion of that. So what you really want to do before you go out looking for someone is you want to write down, these are the things that I know I need help on. Now, a lot of times I'll also get people that will say, we want you to tell us what we need to do. So you need to make sure that you're hiring someone that can not just audit your accounts to see how they're performing, but can also create a strategy to say, because this is happening and because we see this in your analytics, we need to be doing this. Mm -hmm. So I do that piece, but I also, when I'm getting all, get, you know, when we first get uh, a client onboarded, I say, I need a list of all your competitors. Who are the people you compete with? And then I go audit their competitors and I look through all their stuff because I want to know what can we do to beat the competitors? What are they not doing that we can do? So you, if you are really wanting to grow and you're growth minded, you want to make sure that somebody can not just create content for you, not just post what you hand to them. Now, a virtual assistant, they do what you hand to them. That's the difference in what we do. We, you don't hand us anything. <laughs> we, we might get your headshots if you, if you've got some beautiful headshots, mm -hmm. um, or some, you know, some lifestyle. You've done a lifestyle photography session, maybe something like that. We create the content for you, and we present you with this is the strategy and this is why. So it's the full picture. So I get, I end up working with a lot of people that will just come to me and say. I need more sales, more clients, more leads, and I have no idea how to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they will have been posting before and they just know it's not working, they're not getting any traction, or they could have posted in the past but they kind of stopped because they didn't know what to do. Um, so I've got a client right now that did that. They had not posted for over a year on any of their platforms and it was just dead, totally mm -hmm. dead. So now we have to kind of start warming it up again. You know, we right. have to start. It, it's a different strategy than if someone has been posting and they have an audience, but they just haven't known how to speak to them. They haven't known how to use um, engagement, you know, engagement focus, um, a marketing focus, moving them towards sales, that kind of thing. So that's a different strategy than if somebody's just like totally starting. Right. So. Um, but I've, I've worked with clients on the full spectrum. I've worked with people that say, here's my brand new Instagram account. I just set it up. What should I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're just starting their business. Um, I will say those, the, the folks that are just starting their business are usually not an ideal client for us just because they don't have a good concept of their business yet. Mm -hmm. They don't even have a grasp on who wants to buy from them. Right. So, you kind of need to DIY it a little bit, I think, so you can get an idea of who's responding to what my offers are or what's not working. Because then, once you have an idea of that, you can really start putting dollars behind, mm -hmm. okay, I know this won't work, so can you kind of get me a little more on a different path? Right. Um, so... 
So, okay, the person, let's say they've been DIYing for a while and they're making the decision to come to you. They have been posting. Um, do you then clean up what they've already put out there? Do you just start from there forward? What is the process that typically is taken? Yeah. My, some people will totally delete out what was there before. I know there's some agencies or some, some specialists that will say, we don't need all that. I personally don't believe in that because I, sh I think that it shows that there's a history to the account and you got engagement on all those posts. So I just leave it and we go forward. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a number of clients that have some, you know, just all over the board stuff that doesn't make sense. But when you're posting, regularly and you're creating that content after a while nobody's even going to see that anyway because most people don't scroll like you know to the to when your account started going and going and going. yeah yeah i had to really like somebody to scroll past the first probably three or four swipes right in the grid i'm like if it's somebody i really feel connected to the content that they're putting out then i will do the long but then you kind of hit that point when you realize like this was before yeah. they became who they are or, you know, before they really got the idea. You could, It's like a little line yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in their yeah. grit. I like it. I like being able to see how somebody's style progresses mm -hmm. and how they wanted to, like mine, you can see I went through a, or a pink phase, the millennial pink phase, and then I went through bright colors, and you can kind of see, like, how yeah. somebody progresses with their with their style and even mm -hmm. their branding. Um, so I so usually brands, like larger brands, I mean, they, when they start, you know, moving into growth, sometimes they'll delete out stuff. So, you know. It's up to it's up to the person, but I like to leave it and just kind of see. And the other thing is, it's a nine grid. It's three photos across, three photos down. In less than two weeks, they're not going to see it anyway when mm -hmm. they hit the profile. You know. Yeah. yeah. So. so, what is your opinion about frequency of posting? And does okay. it matter Fre based on the platform? Um, yes, it does. Frequency of posting, if I have got, I'll give you an example right now. I have a client that um, I just onboarded that she was only posting like maybe three times a week. And I can't tell from three times a week when her audience is actually most engaged. Mm. So to start out, I like to do seven days a week for a while because after, you know, a month or so, you're going to see my people aren't even online on Sunday or they're not online on Thursday. There's no point for me to post there. So that's a lot to get started. Um, that's the best way to get a true picture, I think, of when everybody's online. Now, if you don't have a lot of time and you're just DIYing it and you're like, I just need to get something up, do at least one post a week on all platforms. If you can do three, great. Um, Every weekday is, is pretty heavy for most businesses. A lot of my clients will do weekdays because that's when people are doing business. That's when they're looking around online. Most people are not online as much on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So um, for, for a, biz, um, you know, a business that's moving and doing um, actual sales, five a week is pretty standard. Um, so I the other thing was po with the posting frequency and at least doing once a week is it keeps something fresh coming out. Now, from an algorithm standpoint, this is hard because if you're only posting once a week, 
you're not getting the the algorithm juice. You know, your people are not seeing you as frequently, so you're not getting as much engagement. If you are posting every day, there's more of a chance that they'll see you. Um, now, I would say what's most important is doing stories as frequently as you can. Mm. So if you only post one slide on your stories every day, that to me is much more important than making sure that you have a post in your grid every day because I don't look at most people's grids. Mm. I don't even scroll through the feed as much, but I look at people's stories up at the top. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm, I'm nosy. I always want to know what somebody's putting in their story, you know, right. and because it's much more behind the scenes and it's much more like, oh, what are they doing today? I'm going to check in and see what they're yeah. doing. You feel, to me, it's, you have more of a personal connection with the person, even if they're selling to you, right? Yeah. There's just a more, more humanness to it for some reason. I, you can schedule those, but the movement and the videos and all of that aren't as easy to schedule. And yeah. so I find they're just a little bit more enjoyable and I can just quickly go through them and skip somebody if I don't want to see their stuff, you know, so. Yeah. Exactly. And I, always, I don't know if you feel this way, but I always feel like um, guilt if I like somebody's photo that I'm friends with and I don't comment on it. <laughs> I feel like because I know that they know that I've seen it. But I didn't leave a comment, so I'm like comment guilt. That's so funny. But I've like, not had that, but <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'm if I like it, I've seen it, you know I've seen it, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I'm like, just leave a comment. Uh, but story you know, I just feel like stories are so much more they're so much more relational and so if any if somebody especially has limited time, invest your time in stories. Put a post up every week if you can. Do the best that you can. Um, I also went through a phase for several months where I didn't post anything on my grid and I only did stories. And I was getting fantastic engagement on stories. And I was making sales from stories. That's awesome. So I was, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten to a point with my own business that um, I will post informational things and, um, you know, motivational also, you know, inspirational, motivational, but I'm not leaning heavily on my grid to make sales. I'm not leaning on it to do a whole lot just because I think everybody's in stories right now. Right. So you want to make sure that you're keeping it fresh, but for my business, I'm not leaning on it as, as heavily for the grid. Now I do have clients that they need their grid. Like they need that because they have events coming up. Mm -hmm. They have constant changes. They have weekly lives that they do. So they've got to have a grid. They've got to have stuff moving in there on top of their stories. Um, but just overall, stories is something that to me is the most important part of using Instagram. So do when you post on Instagram, do you link yours with Facebook and just basically post the same thing on both? Or do you try to do them differently? Yeah, I do. I don't think it makes, for, for mine, it hasn't made a whole lot of difference in um, traffic. Like I get way more viewers on Instagram, mm -hmm. but I do just because, you know, if they follow, if they've liked my page over on Facebook, then there's a chance they could see it. So, you know, put it in as many places as possible. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that with Instagram stories, I was, I'm not as concerned about things being um, duplicated, right, in the two platforms, whereas in posts, 
I do. I, I, I'm like, oh, let me post something different on Facebook than I'm posting on Instagram. And I don't know why I have that mental yeah. thought, you know, process in relation to what I'm posting on the page versus what I'm posting on Instagram grid. But mm-hmm. I do. I go through that. Let me put something different, just in case the same people are on both and they see both. They're not, you know. But then you kind, of, I kind of go back to the question of, well, you know how how they say you should have, you know, ten touches with your customer and you should put things in front of them constantly. I'm like, well, maybe it is good for them to see it repeated. Yeah. <laughs> the same uh, thing. Something I'll share with you that <laughs> I, for better or worse. Most people are not going to see your content in both places. Mm-hmm. So I'll have I'll have the initial conversation with clients about how many posts would they like to have, what do I think, da da da, um, and then we'll have the the conversation about using the same content on Instagram and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And um, I always share with them: most people are not going to see it in both places. And you know, if I ever get pushback, my question is. How many people that you follow do you go look at their Instagram and their Facebook? <laughs> it's usually wherever you are at the moment, right? So, yeah. you know, there's some, like, I rarely am going to both Instagram and Facebook at the same time, you know, like within yeah. minutes of each other. Usually it's because I'm out somewhere and I'm just scrolling Instagram yeah. um, or Facebook. I'm going on Facebook to do something within a group. That's really my use for for Facebook. And so I'm like, let me go to this group. And on the way, I happen to see this post, right? And so yeah. sometimes I do see duplicated things, but it's very rare. And it's mainly because I'm very active with that person on both platforms, and that's why I see them. But the algorithm really jacks you up. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. The algorithm as a whole is a whole thing. I, I do. We've got. I think we have a better chance of seeing the people that we like now than when it was chron. I mean, I miss chronological. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I miss the the original way that Instagram was. But um, the other thing with the with the posting in both places is. Um, not just because of the algorithm, but think about whose whose business page you engage with. Mm-hmm. So I don't really engage with a lot of business pages. I'm in groups, you know. Yeah. So like, I'll give you a great example. Jasmine Star, she is huge in Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, she's all about the. She has a team. She, you know, she's yeah. a big deal on social media. I the only two things I see from her are her stories. And her posts from the group that I'm in, mm-hmm. I never see her page, and I engage with her stuff very frequently. You're but I right. Never you're right. You know, I think the only the only person's page I actually see is Nicole Walters, and I think it's only because she's always doing video. Yeah. And that's what makes it pop up. If she were just doing posts, I don't think I would see them as often. And I may have flagged hers to show it to me. You know, I may have specifically said, show this to me. I can't remember which. But she's the only one that just stands out from a page standpoint that I'm like, yeah, I always pretty much. And I don't always see it, but I see more of her stuff than I see of other people. Does she do live? Does she do Facebook live? Mm-hmm. She does Facebook Lives constantly. She does Instagram Lives constantly. You know, she's very big on live video. Yep. So, and I, she does a huge what, 
uh, one of my clients, she, one of her big, her long, what we call long form content. So long form content for some people are blog posts, for some mm -hmm. it's video. It's kind of like where do you originate with your video? Do you type mm -hmm. it or do you speak it? Um, so hers is Facebook Live and her Facebook Lives are the only ones I see, but I never see her page. Mm -hmm. And so it, it takes, going back to your question about kind of where to devote your time, especially when you're starting out. You want to keep content hitting your Facebook business page, but because of everything, you know, we've kind of just talked through, it's more to keep it fresh and show I'm a legitimate business mm -hmm. than to actually get engagement because you're not really, you know, yeah. lives get engagement and other than that, on a business page, not much gets engagement. So, mm -hmm. you know, you should conserve your time and use it where it's most effective. Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift gears from Instagram and Facebook and talk about LinkedIn because that's another area I know that you are really strong in. And I last year I kind of was doing this whole shift from just Facebook to Instagram and LinkedIn. And mm -hmm. I had so much more engagement in those two platforms than I do on Facebook in general. So um, let's talk about LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn has not been ruined by marketers yet. <laughs> I'll say that. Every platform gets to a tipping point where it is yeah. ruined by marketers mm -hmm. and it's no good. You know, yeah. it's it's still it's still there and it's still running, but there there's always the glory days. So how we were talking about Instagram and like chronological post, that was its glory days. We are in LinkedIn's glory days right now. Mm -hmm. um, and when I, when I start talking about it, everybody always will say, I know Gary V preaches LinkedIn, so I know I need to be on it. And I'm like, okay, then what have you done on your LinkedIn? And the answer right. is always, what's out there? Yeah. 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 So um, LinkedIn is so powerful. Uh, something that a lot of salespeople use uh, is a CRM system. So a way to track who you've talked to, where they're at in the sales process, right. do I need to follow up with them? What what did they say? You know, do they have kids? What kind of personal mm -hmm. facts do I need? So LinkedIn has tools similar to that that you can use where you can sort out people by um, by industry, by location. It has all these different potential um, lead finding tools within it that doesn't exist anywhere else. So let's talk about just from a sales standpoint because that's really what, you know, that's really what we're using all this for. So Instagram is going to be best for person-to-person -person relationship sales. So everything, you know how they say everything goes down in the DMs. You're mainly having to do like a lot of manual stuff in DMs to message with people and in stories. Mm -hmm. With Facebook, you pretty much have to run ads to make a sale on Facebook. You're probably, mm -hmm. or in your groups, you might have some stuff in your groups where you're person to person, but the sales power on Facebook is ads. On LinkedIn, it's going and finding those people and also starting conversations, but getting them to come back and look at your profile so that you can grow your email list yeah. and see your expertise. Um, maybe they can sign up for your webinar. Mm -hmm. um, and it has so many built-in features to it that the other platforms don't have that it's light years ahead on getting you connected to not just random Joe Schmo that's out on the internet, but 
a person that is actually your ideal, you know, your target, target, real target person. Um, So let me, let me talk about two of the things right now that I think are genius about LinkedIn. And that's part of why I love it so much. So when somebody goes and looks at your profile, it tells, it, it will tell you, it will send you an email and say, this person looked at your profile. So you're going to get emails in your inbox, which everybody's in their inbox pretty much. And it says, people have been looking at your profile, 35 mm-hmm. people, whatever. That piques your curiosity because you're like, who's looking at my profile? Who, who was looking at it? Yeah. <laughs> is this something why, I need why, to know? Yeah. Is this my old boss that I hated? Like, who's looking? <laughs> who's over there? Right. So it actually goes into another place. LinkedIn actually goes into your inbox, into an external place and says, let me capture your attention and bring you back over here. So it's like this built-in loop to bring you back. Facebook doesn't do that. Instagram doesn't do that. They have no way to pull you back over there. So that uses your curiosity to get you back over there. Um, What beautiful about that is you know you can connect with people on LinkedIn you can send a connection request but you don't even really have to do that you can really just go look at people's profile because they're going to be told that you looked at them they're going to check that and if they have interest in doing business with you then maybe they connect maybe they send you a message maybe you know but they're getting there that's a way to get eyes on your profile and you don't even ever have to say a word yeah, you know what's funny mm-hmm. is I will actually, like, in the people that I'm connected to, because one of the things is when they comment on a on a post, mm-hmm. you see that they commented on, you can see that they commented on this post. I can go and look at your activity and go in and see what is, you know, what's important to Ash and go and look. And if that's important to me, if I kind of like this person that they're connected with, I can then connect with that person Just say, I really like your content or what, whatever the case may be. And yeah. I love that you can see the degrees of connection. So, you know, first degree, second degree, third degree. I love that because it's like, I don't know this person yet, but I know this person, this person, this person, they're all connected to Ash. So yeah. let me go and check Ash out and see if this could be a good connection for me. Yeah. So I love I love that part of it too. That piece is invaluable too when you're doing outreach to that person and you go, "Hey, I noticed that you know so and so. I know them from a conference. How do you know them or whatever?" Yeah. It's like kind of talking points, right? Yeah, talking points and it's not a referral, but it's almost like a so- I don't want to say like a soft referral, but it's mm-hmm. you have a connection point. They know that you have someone in common. Yeah. And that power alone. I mean, what other platform? I mean, obviously on Facebook you can go see mutual friends, but there are so many little pieces of um, connection, so many connection points like that on LinkedIn that it's super valuable for me. I think for making sales. Now, here's the thing that I think um, is going to be hard for it to really blow up: is it's time intensive and it's manual. Because it takes time to sit down and type out messages to people mm-hmm. or to do outreach or to go search. Now, their search features are so powerful that you can look for VPs of marketing in mm-hmm. Nashville or whatever you want. So you right. can more easily find those people and get eyes on them, which you'd have to you'd have to pay for ads on Facebook to get that kind of attention. This yeah. is free attention. But you do have to sit down and type this stuff out. 
Now, there are companies out there I know that have bots or they'll message for you or whatever. It's totally against LinkedIn's terms of yeah. service. You're, you'll lose everything. So it's, it's, to me, on LinkedIn, that's way more risky than bots on any other platform. Yeah. Well, um, and on, on top of it, like, have, can you tell, well, I can tell, and I'm just going to see if you have the same experience. When people yeah. are doing their little sales searches on LinkedIn and they find somebody and they just have this copy and paste mentality of, I haven't even warmed you up yet. Like, we've yeah. you've accepted my connection, but we haven't had any one-on-one -on -one back and forth. But then you bust out this paragraph, you know, this super long <laughs> paragraph with all this content that I didn't ask you for and you're like why you know yeah. so that's one of the, I see people making that mistake all the time with LinkedIn where I'm just like when they do that I just pretty much say nope <laughs> yeah. no way um, I there I have run across two schools of thought one school of thought is this needs to be very relational and I need to build a um, build a basis with this person first. Mm -hmm. The other one is if I don't come straight out of the gate with what I'm offering and they're not they're not interested in it, then I'm wasting everybody's time. So there's a tension between the two of those that I think somebody is going to build an app or something that bridges that tension and as soon as they do that, LinkedIn's ruined. <laughs> because we're you know, we're all <laughs> but for right now it's incumbent upon each person to try to figure out how to do it. I personally don't send the, hey, I do XYZ, here's a link to my opt-in. If you'd like to book a call, I don't do that. Right. Because I just met that person. I don't know if they're interested. I don't know. You know, another thing that um, example I give is sometimes if you assume that what is current on the person's LinkedIn profile is what you're going with, you could say, hey, I see you work at so-and-so or whatever, and they could have just been fired from that job. Or you don't know that anything is, is current on there. So, yes, use it to connect and say, hey, I know you uh, see that you know so-and-so or whatever. I asked somebody this week, they said they coached hockey, um, and I could see they were in New York. So I was like, are you a Rangers fan by any chance? You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's an easy Small thing. Small connector pieces that you can exactly. see. Because at some point, this was true in their life, right? You don't yeah. know if it's true today. But yeah. at some point, you can connect on that level and yeah. then can continue to grow from there. It's like it's just not a hit and quit it type of right. situation. It's a, you're going to have to date this person, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, you're going to yeah. have to put some effort in this. And, and what I find is that you may have initially connected with somebody for the purpose of them being a lead, for the purpose of making a sell, yeah. but you may also gain a peer, a friend, someone that you truly can relate to on a business level that will enrich your life. Like, yeah. you know, when you look at it more from that standpoint, I've met so many people online that... I feel that they are truly my friends just because I see their posts on a daily basis. I know what they're thinking on a daily basis. And that to me is, is better than just randomly picking people and yeah. <laughs> trying to get the sale. And I'm, I'm kind of like you. There, I know there's the, rule, the, the mindset of I'm wasting my time. My point is to make sales. I don't have time to be friends with people. But I'm like – Again, it's not just about being friends with people, but connecting on a personal level. And that is what we are shifting to 
is yeah. the relate the no like and trust factor. We all know about that. And yeah. so if I can't like you as a person, if I can't trust what you're saying, then why do I want to do business with you? Exactly. <laughs> so I feel like the the business world of old has gone away and some yeah. people are still stuck in that and I think they're doing themselves a disservice. I really yeah. do. 100%. And I think to your point about um, dating, it's exactly like dating, you know, because, you know, mark in marketers, we use that dating analogy all the time about you don't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, let's get married. You know, you've right. got to warm up the prospect, that kind of thing. And I, for the way that I message personally, because we're kind of talking about specifics, and I know that's usually what's most valuable. How do I actually do this? Mm-hmm. I'll greet them, say, you know, I saw whatever. First, you want to research their profile. Mm-hmm. You want to go look and see where did they work? What did they do? What are they into? Ooh, I really what, want to connect with this person, yeah. Yeah, what are their interests? Um, and so have some kind of connection point that you ask them a question and something that you're fairly certain they're going to respond back about. So when I ask that guy about, I see you're in New York. Are you anybody? Are you by any chance a Rangers fan? He's he's probably that's a that's a low yes or no question. That's low hanging yeah. fruit. So you get them involved in a conversation and don't mention what you do. Don't mention what you sell because at some point they're gonna go look at your profile and be like, why is this person messaging me or who is this person? If they're interested, they'll ask. Yeah. They'll say, I see you do social media, whatever. You don't have to cram it down anybody's throat. They're exactly. going to ask. And if your yeah. LinkedIn profile is, is properly laid out, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. they, won't, they don't really have to ask. They can just say, hey, I see you do this. I'm having this problem with this. Or your content that you post will help to bring them further in to yeah. then at some point reach out to you for help, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that that I've gotten so many speaking engagements and so many, you know, just people reaching out for assistance um, from me based on the content that I post and because of my LinkedIn profile that, you know, I don't feel like I need to, you know, cram it down someone's throat. The most that I will do is, hey, you know, I know we talked about this. I do have this offer coming up if you're interested, but if not, it's fine. Just want to let you know, you know, like that a very soft type of situation but it's more from a standpoint of I know you're interested so let me share something that's coming 100 percent yeah yeah absolutely is if your profile is is filled in and you've got you know what you do what you offer a link to your opt-in whatever whatever they're gonna find it you know um, and there m- most people will just come out and say um, what do you do Mm-hmm. You know, we'll just go ahead and ask. Either they'll go look for themselves or they might say, what do you do? And then if there's a connection there, you know, maybe you get a client. If not, maybe uh, maybe it's like you said, maybe they become a friend. Maybe they become a mentor. Maybe they know somebody they can refer you to. Maybe it's just a new, per- a new person you met on the Internet. And yeah. who knows? Then again, if you're very uh, niche down and you're very specific, five years down the road, when something comes up, they could remember, oh, I talked to somebody on LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. they go find you, you know? Yeah, that's happened a lot, where somebody said, I'm looking for somebody who does X, Y, Z. I'm like, I know somebody. Let me go find them, because I can't remember their name, but once I do, I'll forward them to you. Like, that, that is a perfect scenario, because it's happened several times yeah. for me. 
I personally think it's always worth our time, not just in business, but as human people, to get to know other another person, mm-hmm. no matter what. Even if, and I and I think that that is was a struggle, especially for me. It still is sometimes when I'll connect with somebody and I can see that I'm only a dollar sign. So if I don't have value to them as a the sale, then they're they had you know they're not interested in speaking or getting to know me. Um, I think if you operate from the standpoint where every person you should get to know them and I like to go an additional step further and this is a little kind of BNI I think the the networking group where they're all about connecting I like to ask is there some way that I can help you do you have something to promote is there somebody that you see on my profile that I'm connected to that you'd like to be connected to Um, because I mean, what what does everybody remember about you, how you made them feel? You know how they say that? Doing something like that goes a long way. You may get nothing out of it. This is a low ROI in most Mm -hmm. cases. But you should be willing to do that kind of thing because you build relationships that will be invaluable. Yes, and and ultimately by you doing that from the goodness of your heart, right, from you just wanting to help other people, that in turn will come back to you because, you know, I may remember that, yeah, I got this client because Ash referred them to me and I've got someone I know would be great. She would be great for helping with their marketing or social media or what have you. And then I refer someone to you. It may not be right away, but it may be, you know, a year, two years down the line. You never know the what I call ripples, yeah. the ripple effect of the things that you do on a daily basis. Yes. So true. I've gotten multiple clients from sheerly from doing this because mm-hmm. I helped somebody for no reason other than just to help them, and then it yeah. came back. It does. It comes back, and um, and I think that's something that um, I, I study a lot of sales too. There's a guy named Jeffrey Gittimer, and he talks about sales, and he's he, I think his handle is the King of Sales. Um, but I listen to him because I think if this guy has been doing this for this many years, he's got something. And so he talks about this connection point a ton. He talks about it from a very helping standpoint. Um, and his his point of view is that if you do the, this kind of connection where you're really getting to know people and you really show concern for them as a human, you will never not have what you need. You will never uh, be you know, not making sales, whatever, you're always going to have what you need because, I mean, for one thing, you're being, from from a moral standpoint, I think it's good, but I also think just if you're just looking at everything from a business standpoint, it also makes a lot of business sense. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ash, this has been so great. I've loved this conversation. I feel like I could talk to you forever. <laughs> for real. Um, but I know that um, you, with your business, is there anything, like from a connection standpoint, you want to tell the people how they can get in contact with you if they need you or would just like to connect? Yes. So you can find me, obviously, over on LinkedIn, Ash Kennedy. Um, but then you can also find my um, company page over there, kind of check out how I do everything. You can find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it's at Ash Kennedy social marketing um, and then I'm also on Facebook um, and yeah I would love to connect with everybody there and so, something that I'm doing right now that um, is kind of 
you know, COVID related, but also in just the new normal of how we're on Zoom all the time is I'm doing uh, free LinkedIn consultations. So if you have a LinkedIn profile and you're like, uh, I don't know if this could be better or um, you just want kind of some eyeballs on it, you can just shoot me a message and say, hey, um, you know, what, what do you think about this? And I'll kind of give it a look and send over uh, some, just some quick tips for you. So, you know, sometimes people want a full overhaul of everything and they really want help with rewriting it. Sometimes they just need a few things tweaked. Yeah. So, you know, feel free to message me and I'll give it a look. I have plenty of free opinions. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. That's awesome. Well, I'll definitely make sure that all your links are in our show notes for this episode. And Ash, I thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, you know what I always say. I want you to definitely stay organized and I want you to do something today that will help to fill your happiness bucket. I hope you guys have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.